Hi, this is Glenn Crooks, and time for episode two of our new podcast, NYCFC Views. My co-host, Roberto Abramowitz, he'll be joining me in a moment, as will a special guest, the gaffer, Nick Cushing. Uh, we got a lot of feedback about Sean Johnson getting booed and also the uh, offside call on Justin Hack, which uh, was proven through video analysis from Chris Campbell that indeed he was onside, 100% a goal. And in our kicking around segment, we'll go over the World Cup. It's NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. I'm Glenn Crooks. There he is, Roberto Brownwitz. What's happening, Roberto? How are you, Glenn? Uh, we got excited at that moment. Do you remember that? Uh, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. But I am <laughs> tired. So I don't know about you, but Women's World Cup, it's, it's in Australia, New Zealand, which is some 14 or 15 hours ahead. I can't keep track, but a lot of good games kicking off at 3 a.m., including the U.S. women against Portugal this morning. And it was uh, 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 Japan-Spain yesterday morning. That was like a really one of those highly anticipated matches uh, and Japan winning 4-0. But uh, all that being said, and some other assignments, I, uh, I've got my tea, my special tea, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, well, it's not that special. It's just no, like, hello? <laughs> it's very, Is it legal in Jersey yet? We don't no, know this. It's very strange. I, I, I just have Java. It's the, this right. is just Java. All right. Well, it's NYCFC Views. It's our second episode. And we are uh, privileged to be joined by the Gafferys, the head coach for New York City FC. He's uh, Nick Cushing and uh, City coming off the uh, 5-0 win over Toronto in the League's Cup. And we now know it's going to be... Hudson River Derby time on Thursday in the League's Cup at Red Bull Arena, where the Red Bulls will be the home team. Uh, New York City will be the road team. And uh, where's Nick? Aha. There he is. Coach, what's happening? Thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. It's good to see both of you. So let's let's ask quickly um, about the game a little bit. Uh, well, the five goals, you had to, like, Finally seeing goals go in the back of the net. I know you see it in training, but uh, in the game, uh, at an important moment, uh, hadn't had a, you know, with just one win in 17 coming in. So just maybe describe a little bit the, your emotions, the team's emotions, and, and what you thought of the game. Um, yeah, of course, we're really pleased to register the win. We haven't had enough wins, especially lately. Um, to score multiple goals is really pleasing because I've said a lot in my press and especially to the team that when we have a game where we where we create multiple chances we have to become clinical um so to get that win um is really pleasing I think our job as as a, as a coaching team is to look at the game and 
where and how that game is very similar to our previous performances and what was different and why it was different in the sense of we lost 1-0 to Atlas um, but we won 5-0 against Toronto. I think the really interesting thing for us is when we look at our data metrics and the, and the, the way that we analyse the game with data, both performances are exactly the same. Just the score is different. And I know that sounds really basic, but um, we were just more clinical, but we played a different system and we had different profile of players in the sense of Munsef. So there's many areas that we, we can take away, but there's also areas we know that we have to continue to improve in. So the, uh, the data and the analytics similar, which, which is interesting. It's also interesting that there is now video evidence. It was provided by a supporter that indeed, the ball hit James Sands' head. It hit both the defender's head and James Sands' head. And as you had suggested earlier, 100% should have been a goal. I, you know, I don't know if you want to go back and revisit that at all, but uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting what happened. Yeah, I think, I think we know that it is a goal. I think we know it. I think if we were to get an explanation like we do from MLS post-game, I'm sure we would get the... Same explanation we've had many times, which is an apology to say the goal should stand. And ultimately, for us, it is what it is. We can't change it. It's not something that we want to focus on based on the performance is the only thing that we can take forwards. We can't go back and get and, and, and replay the result in the sense of the result of that play. But what we can do is move forwards with the with the positives. Atlas are a top team. And I thought we were by far the best team in the game. So that gave us a springboard leading into the Toronto game. And you know, like I say, when we analyse it, it's very similar performances in the sense of chances, expected goals, possession, uh, you know, how we progress the game into areas and how we how we control the opponent from a defensive point of view. Difference in the Toronto game is that we were super clinical compared to the Atlas game where we either didn't create a lot or the four or five chances we did create, we didn't take. Nick, well, I, I got a chance to run into uh, Santi after the game, and uh, we got to talking about the difference that having a number nine is on the team. And he said that he had like so much more space than he normally has because the two center backs had to be careful of where Bakrar was. Can you talk a little bit about that and what the significance is of having a number nine that, that stays in the box and can be uh, very dangerous there and how that affects the defense and opens up play for everybody else? Yeah, I think ultimately having... Um having Munsef in the team, having an out-and-out out number nine that wants to affect the back line, wants to run in behind, is always going to give you a different dimension to your play because the likes of Tales and Santi and Gabriel Pereira and Richie Ledesma and Mateus Pellegrini, our offensive front line of the first part of the season, those guys want the ball to feet and you know defenders know that they're never going to be stretched in behind. There's not going to be a threat to the back line. And, and, and an out-and-out out number nine brings that. Munsef has speed as well, and he's aggressive in the way that he runs. So for us as a team, it um, it definitely gives us a different dimension. I think for the likes of Santi and Richie Ledesma, those those offensive players, the number ten profile, one it, it when he stretches the back line, they get more space, and two when they receive and face forwards, they have something to play with and something to aim at. So I think for them is uh, it will give them more, like someone like Santi, more opportunity to get assists and get goals and. You know, we're one game in, so we don't want to get carried away. But, uh, you know, we're excited with the chemistry that we could start to build with those guys. 
Let, let me ask you this. Um, you don't get to face Mexican teams very often, and, and sadly, you're not going to get a chance to, to face another one, maybe in two or three games, depending on uh, on what happens down the line, right? Because next would be Philly or D.C. if you beat the Red Bulls, and, and then there are three Mexican teams, but the Revs could come out, and maybe you wind up playing them, too. But... What are the main differences that you see between like the good MLS teams and the good Liga MX teams so far? And what do you have to adjust tactically that's difference between both the, the teams? Well, I think I think the pleasing part for me in the performance was we didn't have to adjust anything tactically. We played the same type of game that we normally play, the Columbus game, the Charlotte game. You know, this game against Toronto, we played a very similar style against Atlas. It does bring challenges, and we knew it was going to be a challenging game because, you know, we see the Mexican teams are very organised, they're very competitive, they have experience of playing huge games week in, week out because of the likes of, you know, Pumas and Club America and Tigres and many more really, 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 you know, quality quality teams. And I just think in general it's, 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 different. it's a difference in culture in the sense of it's not your league. So we knew that, there was going to be more, you know, especially with the Atlas team. We knew they were going to at times have five, six, seven in the back. We knew that they would happily sit low. But I think the pleasing thing for me was that they're a possession-based team and they want to have the ball. And we knew that whichever team had the ball would have the momentum in the game. And we were the team that was pushing the game. We were the team that was dominating the game. We were the team that was really trying to win it versus those, you know, versus Atlas trying not to lose it. And, I think the only disappointing part for me was we didn't score and we gave away a really, really cheap set play goal. Our special guest, uh, Nick Cushing, head coach of New York City FC here on episode two of NYCFC Views. I mean, this is this is big time now, Nick, you know, on, on, on the new program here. So uh, uh, we're so happy to have you. I, I, I wanted to ask you about just uh, being a part of the uh, City Football Group and New York City FC specifically. And you've been with the group in different capacities uh, um, for about 18 years and coming into that Toronto game with just a single win over 17 games, no matter what, you know, how you're, how hard you're working to correct it. And we've seen it personally and, and all the different things. Like, do, do you feel fortunate that you're in a, in a, in a supportive environment like that when maybe in other situations, it might not quite be that way? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I understand the the nature of sport and results are are very, very important. If not, you know, the key metric of how we how we uh judge performance and how we judge, you know, successful performance. And we haven't had enough results and you know, I'm very grateful of the support that I've received in this moment, the advice and the guidance that I've received. And I've said this all along, whether it be as an academy coach with a real ambition to continue my coaching career and, and achieve my own personal ambitions um, or a, a head coach of the women's team that, that won through 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, and then in 2018 won, you know, won nothing and felt under pressure and, you know, relied on the support and the guidance of, of you know, the leadership of, of our group. Um, and then going into, you know, I, I had a, a rough period last year after, you know, Ronnie left and, you know, we, we lost Tati and, and, and we had to almost find the balance of the team and the, and the you know, the, the, the sort of new way of how we move forward without a number nine, with a coaching change. And it's the same this year, you know, 
I think what I what I am really grateful for is that the leadership of the group and, and guys like David Lee and Brad Sims and Brian Marwood and Ferran Soriano and you know the the leadership that they that we have a real alignment and a real understanding of the methodology of our organization and what that does is the real alignment gives you an opportunity to go back and review and reflect on the what what is success in performance of course results are but there are a lot of layers underneath that and i'm a realist you know we have to get wins we we you know we have a real desire to be in the playoffs but when we look at the layers underneath it we're not so far away and you know if we were getting blown away by teams and if we really lacked the tactical you know plan and if you couldn't see an idea that was based around the methodology of our football club then i'm sure that the the outcome would have been different and you know i reflect on my own performance every day every result every training session every conversation every meeting to see whether i feel i am being successful in the progression of our football team and our football club and um like i say you know when i look at the the data metrics and the model that we have here we had a 63% chance of of beating atlas and an 11% chance of losing the game we lost 1-0 based on all the data. We then go into the, the Toronto game, we had a 63% chance of losing the game, an 11, 11% chance of, sorry, 63% chance of winning and an 11% chance of losing the game. And we won 5-0. So I think what that brings is a real stability around the direction we're moving in. But we're also really realistic. We have to win football games. So we have to take our chances. We have to defend the game well. We have to have a motivated... Um, you know, cohesive group, and we'll continue to review and reflect whether we win or lose to make sure we progress our football team. So the the next game is uh, is New York Red Bulls, and uh, for Apple TV, they've spent all this money, and I, you know, the the game that they played against San Luis the other night was was one that was really difficult to watch. Which I believe this is these these are my words, not yours, but I don't enjoy watching Red Bulls play. But they provide chaos. They're difficult to play against, and I'm just curious how do you how do you change that perception of an ugly game and let the uh, global viewers of Apple on Thursday uh, get a good look at NYC? Yeah, I think I think for us is we understand the style of Red Bull, and you know there are many different styles in our league. I've said this before about teams like Philadelphia Union. It's a totally different style to ours. Red Bulls is a totally different style to ours, and we respect the I respect that. You know, I respect there are different ways to play the game and um, our way is not the right way and their way is not the right way. I think our way is the way we believe in. And once we have a belief and a passion in how the game should be played, then it's about the hard work and about the, the you know, I say this word again, the progression that we can make throughout our pre-season, through our season, adding new players, developing our football players into playing our style and being able to go into a game and control the game with possession and create chances playing attacking football that is enjoyable to watch. And that is our belief. And you know, when we play a Red Bull game, it's two styles that are really conflicting. And I said before the game earlier in the season that the team that applies their style the best will control the game. They want to control the game with counter-attack and with turnover and with direct play. And we want to control the game with with possession and I felt we did that in the game earlier in the season we just didn't create enough goal chances and however the game looks 
whether you're in control or whether you're out of control, if you don't score, you always there is always the opportunity to lose because of the nature of our league is there is so much parity around the level of teams, the, the talent that you have in and the, the skill level of every team. I think for us, the perfect game is when we control the game with possession, when we play attacking football, entertain our fans, and when we win the game, we score goals. And, you know, I, I felt we did the first two in the Red Bull game. We just didn't score enough goals and we gave away a really, really cheap goal. And I think, yeah. it, you know, the way we feel we played in that game, if we'd have drawn the game, we'd have been really, really disappointed. So it was a really, really, really hard one to take that we lost it. Nick, let, let me change subject just for a little bit. I and mean, I don't think it's changing it too much. We have time for a couple of questions. But what were your thoughts on Leagues Cup coming into the competition? And now that you're fully in the midst of it, has your opinion changed? And if so, and what have we learned from it so far? Um, I was excited coming into it. I think it was a good opportunity for us to switch focus in a difficult period in the league. It was a good opportunity for us to play against opposition that are unfamiliar to ourselves, although we've played Atlas, we've only played them once and they're not within our league. Um, and the challenge to be the winner of the trophy is, you know, the same as in any competition you go in. We have a real desire to go as far as we can and win the competition. We know how difficult that's going to be. We know that we're, you know, we have to take it one game at a time. We lost the game against Atlas, which meant we needed to win against Toronto. We did that. We now have Red Bull in a knockout round. Um, we've really enjoyed being part of this competition because I think it's a new competition and, and I'm sure the league and you know all the clubs will reflect and review after this and it will be even better moving forwards. But that has been a real enjoyable competition to be part of. And I agree, you know, the more Mexican teams we can play, the, you know, the better because we have a desire to play against new opposition and test ourselves against unfamiliar teams. Hey, Nick, uh, I think one final thing. You've, uh, uh, we've got a hard out in just a couple of minutes here because uh, you have to get off to the, um, the weekly uh, family lunch, right? Is that, is that what's coming up? Yeah, so basically, we, obviously, we have it's very busy schedules with recovery and gym sessions and analysis after. So once a week, we get the team together with all the front office and everybody, all of our nice. staff off the field, and we all eat together. We mix tables and just, you know, I think it's really important. We spend a lot of time together, so... I think it's important to make sure that we're cohesive with the front, the back office, the players, the performance staff, everybody. Nice. Uh, women's soccer. Uh, you, you spent seven years with uh, Manchester City. Treble, high success uh, with that group. And many of those players are part of the England team in the Women's World Cup. And I think it's a, it's a testament. I know you told me the other day that uh, you know, you're in texting contact with Kira Walsh in particular, who who got hurt, but I guess she's okay. She's gonna uh, she missed the game today, but uh, how, how does that feel to to look out and and see them performing at this level in England? It could be England U.S. I don't know if USA is going to take the steps necessary, but uh, England USA I think would meet in the semis. But uh, go ahead, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I really enjoy watching the tournaments. Um, I actually watch all of the NWSL, all of the WSL games when they're on. You know, I've got friends now that are coaching in the NWSL and in the WSL. Um, I was really disappointed for Bev with Canada and not not um, being able to qualify. You know, because they've done so well, it's been difficult for them. Um, never right off the US Women's National Team. Um, 
they can click and, and, and come at any moment. They've managed to progress. And um, as you get into those those real championship rounds, the champions normally prevail and they are a really competitive team. But, you know, England, the champions as well, they won the, the Euros and they have a really, really um, motivated group. The team has evolved over, you know, my time in the women's game into winning the Euros and then evolved again with the likes of Jill Scott and Ellen White coming out. Obviously, Leah Williamson is injured. Beth Mead is injured. Kira's, you know, took an injury, but, you know, she's in good spirits and really, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good news that it, it wasn't, you know, the old, the, the dreaded three-letter injury that we all hate to hear about. Um I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really good finish. You see, like the, the, the Japanese team. You know, what an incredible result against Spain. Who are all you got to like them? You got to like them, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, my father-in-law said to me, "Did you see the result?" You know, people, maybe people that aren't involved in the, the women's game sort of always reference the women's game on the the, the 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 way the men's game, the hierarchy of the men's game. You know, and my father-in-law said to me, "Oh, you see, Japan beat Spain," and I said, "Yeah, but." Japan are always there. Japan have been in finals and and won before. They're top team, the, the Japanese women's national team. So, you know, I think people were a bit worried or, or a bit surprised that Norway didn't do so well, and then they come out and they, they get a big result. I think these are the rounds now when it's going to get. And you know what? I th I watched Colombia Germany, and I was yeah. really impressed by Colombia. So, it's uh, you know, it's probably the first year that we're going to have four, five, six, seven, eight teams that are all really pushing hard to be the champions. Well, Nick, uh, we really appreciate your time and um, on a on a atypical day to, to talk uh, talk with the media, but uh, it, it's really been nice to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow at training. But uh, thank you so much, and uh, and uh, best of luck on Thursday. Thank you, and I'll find time to invite you to our family lunch. I'll get you an invite once. Okay. All <laughs> right. Well, we'll look forward to that, Nick. Thank you so much for being with us and. Uh, enlightening us on so many different topics. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, guys. See you tomorrow. Right. See you, man. Nick Cushing, the gaffer, here on uh, NYCFC Views. Uh, what did you take away from the conversation, Roberto? Anything that sticks out? Uh, I don't know. Just maybe some extra confidence uh, based on the result against Toronto and the way that the team played and now having a center forward. Uh, things, you know, change dynamically that also – that, you know, playing against the Red Bulls, who they're going to play again on Thursday, that uh, he's got to feel confident that if they can finally finish some of those opportunities, that they have a pretty good chance at winning. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be fun on Thursday, that's for sure. I was uh, interested in the analytics that the way they, the probability to win or lose was exactly the same for the Atlas match and the Toronto match. So what we have to do, we've got to get Fradley in here, Daniel Fradley, uh, the uh, the lead analyst who is uh, somebody that's vital to uh, their preparation for every game and also the in-game, but maybe he can uh, detail exactly how they come up with those figures. Because you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm interested, but I have a feeling that I'm going to be listening to him as if I were a monkey and not understanding anything that he's saying when it starts coming to analytics no, and numbers and graphs and things, and I'm just going to be like, 
What the heck is all this? Yeah, I hope we I hope we can figure out how to screen share, maybe show something someday with Fradley. Of course but, we can. Yes, well, we'll there, there's ways well, of I, doing that. I don't know. I don't know how all this stuff works sometimes. So, and I'm uh, the Sam, one afraid of not understanding anything. Good. All right, yeah. let's go. Well, it's uh, Sammy's our producer, so we're going to hold <laughs> him responsible for that. All right, before uh, we get into um, anything else. Uh, there was no news from uh, the head coach about any particular addition to the squad, yes. but it's out there that Maxi Morales, in his words, I, he said something, and this is paraphrasing to uh, ESPN uh, on the Spanish side, I, I think in Argentina. Football Argentina, Argentina, ESPN Argentina. They're their own separate thing. Okay, so he said the words, I'm looking forward to playing Messi. So... If he's not coming to NYC, he's going to another MLS team. Uh, it, uh, we're hearing that he's actually on his way to New York City, possibly. Again, this is all uh, reported, but it's uh, it's looking pretty certain that number 10, he's going to have to what, – what's Santi Rodriguez going to do? Is he going to give him the number 10 back, or what, what are we going to do? I, I, don't, I don't know if they can. I don't know if you can change numbers midseason in MLS. I know in some other leagues it, it could happen. I don't know really? if in MLS they're allowed to change numbers. I, we'll have to find that out, but uh, – if not, he'll have to find another number. I'm sure he's going to be fine. And look, during the summer, I forget after what game it was. It was one of the games in Yankee Stadium. I walk out of Yankee Stadium, and you know where they have that area outside of Gate 2 and all the fans are hanging yeah. around and yeah, waiting yeah. for players to come in? And I'm looking, and I'm speaking to somebody, and I turn around, and I see Maxie's wife. And she's there. Oh, and wow. I'm like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, and I got a chance to speak to her. And uh, she was just saying that she was visiting for a week and all that, but she really missed New York. And, uh, you know, she hoped to come back here one day. Well, that one day seems to have but probably arriving uh, a lot sooner than a lot of us expected. I mean, to me, that's a major surprise that uh, he would be coming back. Because, I, I mean, it wasn't one of the names that had been bandied about, about who could be coming, who could be not, and all these things. And uh, to see him back is going to be very interesting because his leadership, not only on the field, but in the locker room, is going to be huge for this team. But then, tactically, when Nick is filling out a lineup, you know, how many changes is he going to make? How long can Maxi play? He's a year older now. So, I mean, can you expect 90 minutes games out of him or... I don't well, think you know so. what, what are we doing? So well, we're playing. Um, but we're, for playing we're playing four <laughs> two three one, and with Sands and Park sitting in behind, and then Santi will go back out to the left again, which you know he's been there a little bit. Uh, yeah, got the new striker Bakrar, and then over on the right, it's either Pellegrini or uh, Ledesma, and I think you know, and and then you 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 fill out your back four the way you want, uh, or Julian Fernandez, or Andres Jason. <laughs> Or on this chase, oops, look, he's got two goals already hey, in, in the past three games. Not bad. He's playing well. He's playing well. He's, he's playing really, really well. You could, you could just tell that there's a level of confidence that all of a sudden has really risen, especially between him and Hack. I mean, Hack was going forward. I mean, before he got that goal, there was a couple of few, there was a few chances that he had as well. And, uh, I mean, he took that really well. The goal that he scored against Atlas, he yeah. took that fantastically too. So, uh, I mean, there's going to be the a goal, lot you mean of the goal, fighting. This is, you mean the goal that didn't count? Sammy, put that. The put goal that, that didn't count. Over. Put that. All right, here we go. I, I, I'm going, so here's is, two things, okay? I want to say two different things about this, okay? And one is, I agree with Glenn. Let me finish. Let me finish. I agree with Glenn 
It uh, based on not not only the photo. The photo doesn't tell me anything, by the way. But no. there was a video. There was a video that was shot either from the sideline or the stands or whatever on an iPhone or something similar to an iPhone. Right. Okay, that was shot. That shows that there's a slight deflection off Sands's head, which means that the play should have stood. Sadly, in uh, VAR and in replays in whatever part part of the world. Those camera angles don't count, okay? The only camera angles that VAR can look at and can make a decision on are the cameras from the broadcast feed. And that's what they looked at. Or conversations that they can have with linesmen, fourth officials, etc. And and those are, you know, something that I absolutely saw it. You know, if the linesman said, I know it deflected off of him, then you take his word, okay? But that didn't, at least as far as we know, that didn't come forward. And all VAR could go on was the angles that they had. And on the angles that they had, it did not seem at all like Sands touched the ball. And well, with a, that, you can't, with that, you can't, with that, you have to say that it's an offside. No, but I agree the, that based on yeah. the other evidence, yeah. now if they could crowdsource every iPhone camera, right? No, if I'm, Apple I'm had the technology to, <laughs> to, to do that, I, then I, fine. I, 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 I recognize that they can't use the iPhone for the crowd. I recognize that. But and you called you called a pro referee who's who who looked at it and said uh, it. He said, "Well, it only deflected off the head of the defender." And then I called a pro referee, and uh, this uh, person eventually saw it and said, "It's inconclusive. I can't tell if it hit Sands or not." So you've got two human beings. Two guys who have refereed a lot of games in MLS who see it differently, right there. Yes, but that absolutely. Is, so that's the human condition, which we've all said about VAR. It's still a human there, but it's so it's so not clear and obvious, and that's proof there too. So nothing but from Concacaf. Here's the thing. He, you know, here's the thing that people have to understand about has refereeing. To be, they had to overrule. Remember, it was not. Yeah, I, I agree. Not, had to be over. I, I agree. But the only right. thing that they had clear was that Santi touched the ball, and when Santi touched the ball, Hack was offside, and then they can't tell anything else over there. But the other part they had clear. This is a point that I want to make, and it's a really important point about refereeing. Okay? And it's this. Refereeing right. isn't black and white. It's not black and white. There are areas of gray. There are interpretations. There are ways that you have been taught, you have been brought up, uh, refereeing and you see things in different in in different ways what is a foul for one may not be a foul for another and it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong it's just different okay and it's based on your own interpretation there aren't strict strict rules that you can see that something obviously is or something obviously isn't and we have to learn to live with those things. And we see all these arguments on social media and even on TV of what's right and what's wrong. And what they don't acknowledge, and I think it's important to acknowledge for everybody's education, that there are areas of gray, that nothing is just black and white. Okay? There might be some or few things that you obvious. can. Or clear right, and obvious. Clear and obvious. But there's interpretation and there's human interpretation. And one referee say, well, that's a yellow card for me. And somebody else, it's a red card. And it doesn't mean that either of them are wrong. It's just the way it is. And I think people have to learn to accept that part of it, that, yes, you would have said it's a yellow, but you can understand that somebody else said it was a red. That's my point.
And New York City could have been the home team at Red Bull Arena against the New York Red Bulls, perhaps, if they had won that game. So No, so they would have been playing New England. All right, New England. Whatever. That's true. I think. Because, uh, because, yeah, yeah, I think so. Carlos Coronel with a big penalty stop for the Red Bulls to give them. It looked like they were going down. He it made does, a save in the 90th minute, and then uh, Van Zier scores his first brace for, for Red Bulls. So they're coming in feeling pretty good about themselves. They're I they're actually a third goal, but that one was disallowed for offside. Um, they didn't need the Van Zier goal, by the way. They could have won or lost in penalty kicks, and they still would have wound up... Uh, well, actually, it would have made a difference as far as where they were in the standings. But um, they wound up being number one. They could have wound up being number two. But they would have advanced either way. So uh, so now, here we go again, Red Bull Arena. There was um, a poll, very unofficial poll, that was on the New York Twitter community. I don't know. Are you a member of the New York Twitter community? That's 536 I, I I strong, it, I believe. I see it like up up in my upper part of Twitter. I don't know what what do I do? Why don't I get notifications? What do I have to do? No, you don't. You have to literally go in there, Glenn. You've got oh, okay. you've got to go into communities, and then it will say that you belong to that community, and then you press. But anyway, there was a there was a poll there, and I I'm think it was right like now. two to one against if, if fans were going to go to Red Bull Arena on Thursday. Oh, here we go again. And I don't know if it's because boycott or because of work or because they don't want to deal with the Lincoln Tunnel or the uh, or the George Washington Bridge. Sunday night, it took me over 90 minutes to get home, which is normally a 20-minute drive. Well, that Sunday game brutal. at City Field, the Atlas brutal. game, it took, it took me two and a half hours to get to the Atlas game, a normal an hour and 15-minute ride from Jersey. So Sunday's not the day uh, we want to be playing matches, I don't think. No, um, no, I really don't. And I'm not looking forward to Jet Season. I am looking forward to Jet Season because I want to see the games and call the games because they're going to be fun as hell. But I'm not looking forward to the trip home, either being from um, MetLife or uh, Florham Park, which is where we do the away games from. So yeah, not looking forward to that at all. Well, there was uh, over 7,000 at Red Bull for the, for the Toronto match. It was actually one of their larger turnouts for a home, yeah. uh, home Red Bull uh, arena match. So hopefully, hopefully it's a, it's a really uh, strong turnout, but, or, or just a, a great atmosphere crowd. Uh, yeah. By the third- way, the Red Bulls had a little bit over 10,000 for their game uh, against Atletico San Luis. And it was mostly Red Bull fans. They were a, a splittering, you know, just a little splinter here and there of uh, fans from Atletico uh, yeah. San Luis. So we got a lot of feedback about the uh, offside or not offside on the Justin Hackle. But we also uh, got feedback, Roberto, uh, regarding Sean Johnson, because we made a point mm-hmm. to really declare our support for Sean Johnson and how we yeah. were we were pretty perturbed by the supporters who booed him. So some of the things we heard were traitor. Uh, uh, he went for the, you know, he, he went there for less money, which by the way is untrue. Um, however, it was uh, the, the, the MLS rules, the way they're dictated for free agents, uh, he wasn't necessarily supposed to be able to make more money, but however it was constructed in whatever creative way, it's my understanding uh, that, you, you can't make the claim that uh, he went there for less money. But that's that's a little bit beside it. 
he was a free agent. He had an opportunity to look. We have no idea what kind of discussions he had with David Lee or with the coaching staff about his future. And anything. We don't really know what went on there. What we do know is the dude made two saves in the MLS Cup final in the penalty kick shootout. Should And, you know, there should be a statue of him outside of, I don't know which where you well, want to put it. He doesn't deserve a statue, but uh, training, definitely he was, totally was very important. So, and, you're, but you're he really was, into yeah. the statue thing. But he, um, he was someone who uh, struggled at first under Patrick Vieira because Vieira wanted to build out uh, of the back, and, and, and Sean's distribution skills were, at that time, were poor. And I think he really worked hard on that part of it. But he became, uh, you know, he's, a, he's, he's one of the faces of the franchise. And uh, so that's, that's our – so um, I don't know if we have that uh, tweet from Christian Smith. Yeah, okay, here he is. Let's see. And we see Christian also has Cushing and Lee out in his Twitter accounts, <laughs> so he's, which I think is a little harsh. But Christian is someone beyond who's harsh. Yeah, he's followed us for a long time, and and he, you know, his commentary is uh, works both ways. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. But um, you see that um, you know, not only did he depart the club at the first opportunity, he took less money. So that's where you know, gotta be careful. There's a thread there as well. That's good enough, is it, Sam. Was it, is, there, is there the rest of it? Okay, that's what I wanted oh. to say. Um, where does he? So, I'm, I'm, so Roberto, he wanted to go to a place because they were building a football mafia up north. Whatever. He has a right to play where he wants to play because it's a business. And I said this before, and he recognizes that. And if, play, if teams can drop players because of money or because they can find somebody better or whatever it is, players have the same right. This isn't the 60s in the NFL where they basically owned you so okay so the the main problem seems to be glenn is in the middle one right in the middle tweet here where uh he said sean had to quote unquote run his mouth about soccer specific stadiums right which is already a sore spot for new york city fc right this is before and this is before the stadium announcement this was a an interview in february i remember when it came out it was like when he was whenever he was signed it, it seems like it was february maybe it was the end of january But uh, he um, and there was a question asked and that's, you know, he just he spoke. So, uh, yeah, I can't get too crazy about that either. So I don't know. So so he wants to play. I I really can't get crazy about it. I mean, I seriously can't. There's a lot more important things to me than if he I mean, I think you become really hypersensitive if that's if that's going to be the reason why you're going to boo the crap out of him. Yeah, it just—it doesn't really—it doesn't make sense. I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense. And you know, maybe I'm not as young as some of the supporters that uh, are attending games, and these things sort of bother them. Look, we're—you know—we're bothered as well that that New York City doesn't have a soccer-specific stadium, mostly because we're viewing games from a hundred yards away from the field, and we're trying to call the game. It's tough enough to call a game, and then you're 100 yards away from the field, and you got to try it too. So, uh, hence and why I, I screwed up Ledesma and Bakrar when he scored the the goal uh, that made the game two nothing. So, uh, because I was far, and actually that was even a Red Bull Arena. So maybe it has more to do with my eyesight than no. anything else. No, that's that's a rough but, one, Roberto. Yeah, win. it really is. I can't live that one down. I was like so disappointed with myself. It took. It took me like you know a while to recover from that. I wasn't right. happy. So we're going to be uh, back there doing another game on uh, Thursday. Let's go to uh, kicking it around. 
So we do this segment, which, uh, look, it's NYCFC Views. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on New York City uh, FC uh, each and every episode. Uh, but then we want to go kind of outside and, and see what's going on. Roberto, I had one here. What, was it Sports Illustrated that would, would, would show a quote and then underneath it would said what he really meant to say? What magazine yes. was that? That was All Sports right. Illustrated. So, I, so I've written one for uh, Tim Bezbachenko, who's the uh, general manager, sporting director for Columbus Crew SC. No. Okay. Who, Let's hear who, this. Who yesterday lost Lucas Zellerayan to uh, the Saudi Pro League. So the Saudi Investment Fund chipping in. Al Fateh. I, I don't know if that's pronounced correctly. That's the name of the team. F-A-T-E-H. So here's what... Uh, Tim Bezbachenko said in the press release, we greatly appreciate everything Lucas has done for the crew, including his efforts to help us win MLS Cup and the many memorable moments and goals. We thank him for being a key contributor to the club's recent success. The transfer is beneficial for both the crew and the player. And uh, here's what Tim Bezbachenko meant to say for uh, my example of uh, what used to be in Sports Illustrated. Yes. He didn't literally say this, and he's a great GM, and I have a lot of respect for it. But here's what he meant to say. This couldn't have come at a worse time, really. Here we are competing for League's Cup and a legitimate shot at MLS Cup. It doesn't help. That's certain. Let's face it. The kind of money the Saudis are throwing around, who could blame them? And even though it is a good financial deal for both parties, it's not possible to fill Lucas Void in the transfer market with such little time to spare. A terrible, terrible loss for us. Now, look, that's definitely what he felt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you going to say? Are you going to say the same thing for David Lee for Gabi Pereira? I'm no. I'm no. David Lee. Uh, when he when you see a quote from David Lee, it's his real feeling. So no, we don't have to go that route. <laughs> I mean, just say the situation is quite is is similar, not quite the same because. You know, they, they had an extra couple of weeks to be able to try to, uh, to, to replace Gabi Pereira. But uh, look, the Saudis are going to be throwing around incredible amount of money and they're going to wind up affecting a lot of teams in a positive way and in many ways a negative way. Because uh, I'm, I'm sure that for the same reasons why they had to let Gabi go, because they couldn't, you know, they weren't going to be able to pay him the amount of money, <coughs> sorry, that the Saudi league is going to be able to pay. And we're talking about possibly 10 times the amount of money that he's making here, somewhere between 7 and 10 times. You know, you can't say no to the player. I mean, you just can't. If you're any sort of responsible general manager or owner or whatever, I mean, you got to do the right thing. You can't, you can't do that. I mean, and there's obviously the right thing by the team, by the fans, and by the player. But in this case, this really affects him directly in, in, you know, in such a positive way that you really can't say no to that. Uh, I, the, the, rest of the, uh, the rest of the Eastern Conference, is it going to be very sad to see Lucas Arayan go? Although, Especially New York City. Although... Three set-piece goals in one season against New York wait, City, right? Yeah, but, but Columbus crew took apart, uh, took apart America last night. Yeah, I mean, that, they that's took good. them apart. Mm-hmm. America went ahead, then they had two goals disallowed because of offside. The first one was really clear. The second one was a little bit tighter, but I saw the replay, and I believe, with now my expertise in this situation, he was offside. 
<laughs> he was well, offside. They, well, they were inspired by the transfer of Zellerayan. I love that. You know? Exactly. Like, oh. And then there was a penalty that was gifted to Columbus. I mean, it was really a gift. Uh, Farsi took a farcical dive, if, if you allow me to make that pun. And then, uh, but there were then two penalty kicks that should have been given to Columbus that weren't done, including one that was like a karate kick to, to, to the spine, and they, they didn't call it a penalty kick. And I was like, how did the guy not get a red card along with that? But they, they let it stand. And the referee, by the way, was Mexican. From, from Liga MX. So when the Mexican fans come after me, and they've been coming after me like for the past, so, you know, since the beginning of the tournament, that every referee is against them, that these all are MLS referees that are doing this, and that they're all against them, and that they're, you know, that this tournament is set up uh, like if it was WWE, you know, scripted, so an MLS team wins, you should read all the stuff that's going on on my Facebook page. You've got to learn Spanish just for that. Yeah, well, you do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you. Yeah, I'm gonna have you translate for me. Hey, one. No, final I'm not thing, doing that. One final thing before we go uh, here on a, a kicking around, a, a kicking it around segment. I, I brought it up with Nick a little bit. The uh, the Women's World Cup, uh, the U.S. Um, I got up early to watch it and um, had to. No, no, talk about it. your talk about your situation. About it, your yours was a unique situation about getting up and watching it. Is you had a special guest. You had to do a radio show after this. Come on. Well, I, you had it, Joe it, Tolleson over? Yes, Joe Tolleson was over to my house. I have the I have this little studio down here, which you can partially see. And uh, we did a Sirius XM post-game report for two hours after the U.S. tied Portugal. Now, the U.S. had beaten How were your wrists? Huh? My wrists? How were your wrists? Did you slit them? No, during, I'm not, uh, during I'm the not broadcast that, at all? I'm not that sort of supporter, but uh, my former <laughs> player, Rutgers, Carly Lloyd. Uh, oh, she much, him. <laughs> Yeah, she, uh, she was, uh, she's on the studio show for, for Fox. Uh, we hadn't heard this before we went off the air, but she said that the post was the player of the match. And indeed, uh, Portugal hit the post in the second minute of stoppage time. That would have ended the world that would have finished the U.S. for the World Cup in the group stage. This is a, a this is a program that's never uh, not gotten to at least the final four, the semifinals of a World Cup. That's since 1991, when they won the first ever uh, Women's World Cup. So uh, they're not playing well. Uh, they're they don't look connect. It's it's really um, it's really interesting to see how they might recover. They're playing Sweden. Uh, who looked very, very good against Italy. I watched that match. Oh, far. boy. And Is then, that the you know, next they, game? I thought they got them down the line. I didn't know that that's like their next game. No, the best thing, Roberto, you'll love this from a commentary standpoint. I'm watching uh, Sweden-Italy. I believe it was on Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. And the commentator said, the winner of this match will avoid the U.S., Meaning they assumed that the U.S. was going to win the group ahead of the Netherlands. They the Netherlands it? beat Vietnam 7-0 today. Goal differential was not even in the books because the U.S. ended up tying the match. So it was. Uh, I, I remember hearing it, and he said it again. So he said it twice in a broadcast. And I was like, you can't say that because you, you don't know. You don't so here's, know. Here's, here's my take, and from, a little bit from the outside, but I really want to ask you a couple of questions because you're the expert on this. Okay. I mean, what we've seen for the past, Jesus, maybe two years or so. 
that the U.S., despite having a plethora of talent, of attacking talent, and bringing in players such as Macario, Sophia Smith is wonderful. You've got, um, obviously, you've got uh, Alex Morgan. Uh, there's a whole uh, uh, Rodman, Jesus. You know, you, you've got some sensational attacking players on this team. And yet, it seems that the team has such a hard time scoring goals and that they push forward and they gamble and they throw themselves, you know, freely into the attack, exposing the defense quite a bit, which isn't, isn't all great, but yet they can't seem to create a lot of scoring opportunities. What is it? Because you have to go at, at this point, I almost go to coaching. Okay. What is it that Vlatko, you have to bring that up. You have to bring that yeah. up for this so game. What is it? Right. I mean, people criticized him for not uh, for not making more than one lineup change in the previous game. And, and well, now, I, I mean, I, I obviously didn't watch the game. Yes, I didn't watch the game this morning because I, I, I was up watching late night with all the uh, League's Cup stuff. But um, what is Vlatko doing or not doing? What, what, what is the main part of criticism that you can give him for not being what seems to be? And I'm trying to be careful with my words here what seems to be being able to get the best out of a team that seems to be more talented than the results that they're getting. And I understand everybody else has gotten better and the rest of the world is catching up, but I really feel that they're not getting the most out of the talent that they have, and I think that they have a plethora of talent. Well, I had Vladko. Uh, he's been uh, on twice on my show, The Coaching Academy, which is on SiriusXM. And um, one time we, we started talking about, because it's a coach's show, so we get into things, and we were talking about the, uh, the final third, the attacking third of the field. And I thought it was an interesting response because I said, you know, this is the part of the field that almost everybody struggles with. You know, this is the big challenge. You've got organized defenses. You've got athletes. You've got it's, – it's, it's, it's not easy to penetrate once you get down in that area a lot of times. And he said something to the effect like um, – you know, I'm not going to tell Sophia Smith, I'm not going to tell Alex Morgan, you know, what to do when they get in that part of the field. He said, I'll, I'll show them, we'll look at film, we'll do things like that. And I think, I think you look at what they do when they get close to goal, and they seem to run out of ideas. Now, um, what a lot of coaches do, uh, and in watching uh, Portugal, uh, I, I'm certain of this. I would guarantee, watching Japan, that these teams work on pattern play over and over and over again. And we recognize it's soccer is free flowing, and you know it's not just a bunch of patterns. It's not basketball where you set up a play and run the play, but mm -hmm. you get your players to learn and recognize certain situations, and then there's certain movements uh, associated with that. I don't sense those movements with the U.S. women's national team in this World Cup, and maybe even prior to. So if if I have one credit, you know, it's so hard because you're not there. You Maybe they're doing all these patterns and the players aren't executing. But uh, the, the fact is that uh, they're, um, they're not coordinated, they're not connected, and there's a lot of individuals. Sophia Smith got pulled today. She got yanked because she was just going one-on-one, -on -one, uh, was getting stuffed most of the time, and really had a game where she was not productive at all. And this is a this is a, you know, NWSL player of the year kind of thing. Leading scorer, you know, is just two goals and an assist in the opening game against Vietnam. 
So um, it was, it, it's unfortunate, but um, in 2015, they went into the knockout stage in disarray, really. They were playing poorly. They got through. So you can only hope that uh, somehow uh, they'll mimic that performance. But I don't know. I'm not so, not so certain this time around. Do you remember? So I was going to ask you about that because it reminds me of that, of 2015 and how the U.S. was playing in the group stage in Canada. And then all of a sudden, something happened and then the team all of a sudden just so elevated their performance so what was it if you have time i don't know if you're if you're running out of time here do you remember what changed under jill ellis in that world cup that yeah, could possibly you know help the u.s national team in this world cup well there was good fortune uh, in in a lot of ways with jill ellis there were two uh, yellow card accumulations and suspensions, Megan Rapino and Lauren Chaney, both who have been, had been starting. And the U.S. women were playing a 4-4-2 flat in the midfield with Carly Lloyd and Lauren Chaney as center mids. And they were not getting involved in the attack at all. They were, they were, Carly Lloyd was defending more than attacking. She was one of the all-time leading scorers in, in women's history. So what happened is because of those suspensions, Morgan Bryan came in they changed the shape. Morgan Bryan sat in the hole as the number six by herself. And they went back to a 4-3-3. And Carly got higher up the pitch. She connected with Alex Morgan. Carly told me later that Alex at halftime of this game against China, which uh, the U.S. won 1-0, Alex Morgan said, oh, my gosh, it's great to have you closer to me so that we can combine in things. So, you know, Jill Ellis had to figure it out. But it was sort of figured out for her because she, uh, she had to make an adjustment. Blackco, you know, there's a yellow card suspension also. Unfortunately, it's Rose Lavelle. She will not be playing in the next match against oh, Sweden. Boy. And that's that's really bad news because she's she's a creative force, hard worker. She's she's got a bite, you know, she's she's a, she's an important player for them. They won't have her, but now the de- the depth will be tested and we'll see what they come up with. I don't think they're getting by Sweden. I really don't. I I, I just don't. I just don't see it. I mean, I hope that they change, and I hope that I'm wrong. I, I just don't see it. Sweden looks really, really tough. They look like they're improving, and the U.S. just can't seem to figure it out. Unless Vlatko can come up with something, or he listens to his assistant coaches, listens to his players, opens up his mind, and says, "Okay, we've got to do something different," because repeating the same thing and expecting a different result is knocking your head against the wall. It's not going to happen. So they, they've got to do something different. And uh, I hope that they can figure it out, you know, that uh, he can take a step back and say, all right, what do I really need to, to change and maybe self-scout himself and, and, do, and do the work necessary for the next game? Well, we, had Nick, we had Nick Cushing on earlier, uh, the New York City gaffer, and uh, one thing that stood out to me also is that he reflects on himself after every training session, after every game, to just see how they can make it better. And that's... Uh, that's important. I mean, you learn that a little bit along the way in the, in the coaching schools and the education that you have to look at yourself. And it's uh, refreshing to hear that, you know, someone um, who uh, has been part of a staff that won MLS Cup, but you, you don't you don't live on your laurels. And now he's the head guy no. and he's got to really. Uh, and, and Sweden, by the way, the last time Sweden and U.S. met in a major tournament, Sweden upset or defeated. Uh, the U.S. in the uh, 2016 Olympics in the quarterfinals. That's the only major tournament ever that the U.S. hasn't uh, advanced at least to the semifinals. It's it's really crazy stuff. That game is going to be on 
Sunday at 5 a.m. Eastern. So you don't have to get up quite as early. It doesn't have to be three. Now you just get up at five, Roberto. I'm, I, I wake up. All early right. Uh, for that one, for that one, for that one, I'm going I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm very curious to see what Vegas says about who's favorite in that game, because I have a feeling Sweden is going to come in as a favorite. Well, would you like to place a bet? I'll go down to Mammoth no, Racetrack. No, I'm not. Play, I'm not placing bets. Book. Not my thing. I'm just saying. Come on, I'm going to go to the sports book and we'll put some uh, we'll put some cash well, you've down. Got sports books in Jersey now. Yeah, uh, well, actually, I think we have them in New York someplace too. Oh, anyway, yeah. they want to put a casino next to City Field, which is affecting well, New York City Stadium. Well, that's a different story. That's a different yeah. podcast, Glenn. You go. We got to leave this one. Yeah, we're you know we're we're doing two a week, so why spend an hour with us when you can just go thirty minutes each one? Of course, we're approaching. Well, an well, hour well we've been on almost an hour already, so let's know, not get I'm crazy looking, about I'm half an hour. That was the original idea. All right, That's so, not thir- happening. so Thursday, uh, 8 p.m. is kickoff, 7.45 airtime on the New York City FC Network. English. Oh, did they say and- that already? English and Spanish. Yes, they have. It's uh, uh, 8 p.m. So uh, okay. 7.45 uh, is our airtime on the network. Um, you know, sync it up. Put the video on. Turn that sound off. Sync up our audio, and uh, we'll have a good old time from Red Bull Arena. Subscribe to the podcast, please. That will help boost a, a lot of different things if you do that. So uh, you Great subscribe, get a friend to subscribe. If you coach a team, get all them to subscribe. If you have a big Italian family, get all them to su- subscribe. <laughs> and, but uh, also it's very important to rate the podcast. And we'll, you know, we'll take your ratings, good or bad, we'll take them. And comment. And uh, that can only make us better. All right. But definitely subscribe. If you don't feel like rating it, that's okay. Too. Yes. But, you know. No, no, no. It helps. No, you need that. It's for algorithms and stuff. Trust me. You need that. And between right. more Trust subscription me. and more ratings and, and more comments, uh, the more visible it becomes. All right. So we're going to trust I've Roberto on that and the, uh, and the algorithms. Thanks so much to Nick Cushing, New York City FC head coach, our special guest at the top of this show. So if you're just joining us now, go back to the beginning. And uh, and you'll hear from the New York City coach. So for Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Till next time, enjoy the game, everybody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.